we won a national championship for for Ole Miss and um, all the past players and all the fans across the country and for the state of Mississippi and the University of Mississippi, uh, we did it. And, uh, we're national champs. Breaking ball. Tommy White. First pitch swinging. In the air to center. D'Onofrio back and it's gone! The legend continues! Got him swinging! The Campbell Campbells, the dynasty of the Big South. And now Tony Vitello bumps the third base umpire. Set. He'll throw that as a line drive in the gap. Did he do it again? It is another ball in the gap for Morrell. Another extra. Oh, that is gone. A home run for Brian Morrell. Swing and a ball driven. Way back. And foul. No, gone. He did it. Ortiz kept it just there and walks it off with a grand slam. What is up, college baseball fans? Welcome to another episode of the 11.7 podcast, the weekend number six recap episode. And boy, do we have a lot to talk about. Now that we are two or three three series in to conference play, you're starting to see things shake out. And it's not really what we've expected. So we're going to dive into some conference uh, series recaps as well as hit on the you know viral moments and big storylines of the weekend. Uh, but first, before we do all of that, I just want to thank our sponsors here, Yakertech. They've been absolutely fantastic to us this year. In fact, like I'm on a uh, texting basis with some of their top executives, and they send me some really cool data and uh, really cool. Uh, just I, I like to call it just stuff happening at all of their facilities that they have their um you know their machines at i I, i'm too dumb to realize what they do but it's basically laser technology to let you know how fast something's going the spin rate exit velocity launch angle and their job is actually helping me a lot because it simplifies things so if you're a high school baseball coach travel ball coach college coach wherever you're at definitely look into getting a yakker tech system um they're revolution revolutionary wow i can't even say it revolutionizing college baseball and amateur baseball in general. So um, shout out to Yakker Tech. Also Circus Sports. Um, they've been with us all year long as well, sponsoring our grand prize for our Patreon members who are playing in our weekend series Pick'em competition, as well as our, our Survivor competition as well. And six weeks into it, we still have 13 Survivors remaining. And uh, the, the standings for the weekend series pick'em is getting quite compact there at the top. There's a lot of people still in striking distance. So thank you to Circa. You guys go if you're ever in Las Vegas 
um, or want to travel to Las Vegas, book a room there at Circa. They have a rooftop sports book and it has a swimming pool, uh, cabana suites, everything you need. It's one of a kind. And I know it was absolutely popping off there this past week or past two weeks during college basketball's March Madness. It's going to be the exact same during the College World Series and the NCAA Regionals for baseball. Really, really good spot to go and uh, place your bets and enjoy watching some sports. Um, what I also want to do here first is shout out a few of our Patreon members here. Uh, we really appreciate everybody that signed up to our Patreon. And, um, you know, it just makes things, in my opinion, more enjoyable because we have a great community through Discord that these Patreon members get access to. We get to chat it up with them, share some insider information, and just kind of listen to everybody else's opinion where it's not as scattered across Twitter. So um, we have Patreon memberships as low as $1.99 a month. We have a four ninety nine, dollars um, And then if you're a big gambler, we have a $50 a month where I'll, I give out my, my gambling picks. But just a few people I want to shout out here today. We have Quinn Williams. Appreciate you, Quinn, for joining um, pretty recently, too. We have Jake Tate. Uh, Andrew Carson, Rebecca Lindsay, Joseph Caverman. Uh, and then we have a, let's see, I'll do a couple more here. Austin Arnold and Elijah Brum. Really appreciate you guys for uh, for signing up to our Patreon. It, I'm telling you, it's it, it means the world to us to see people wanting to support and contribute to our cause of just making college baseball much more newsworthy um, than what it used to be. So, with all that said, I'm going to introduce Dimitri here. Him and I just grinded, mostly him, mostly him just grinded on these mid-major rankings and all of the things we just posted. So, Dimitri, say what's up to the fans. Ciao. And, uh, Ciao. Are you surviving this thunderstorm going on right now? Sounds pretty Am I bad. what? Are you surviving the thunderstorm going on? I hear that thunder rumbling in the background. Thunderstorms are okay, but hey, I'm doing better. Canes are final four bound, baby. <laughs> Not Miami baseball, State. buddy. It ain't, it ain't, this is a uh, sports podcast now, um, a college <laughs> sports podcast. And Miami is heading to the final four. But other than that, a, this would probably up there is my favorite weekend so far of the 2023 season. Um, Dude, this weekend was packed with some really fun moments. Um, I, I was glued to my phone. I kept getting yelled at by my wife and – my son wasn't happy with me. He wanted my attention all weekend. Were you were you a negligent father this weekend? Um, I did my best. <laughs> I, I did so my that best. Means you were very neg neg negligent. I was glued to the four different screens I had going on. I was refreshing Twitter every ten seconds, and uh, yeah, I mean, I sure I made sure to you know play with my son and and, and pay somewhat attention to my wife. But man, there was just too much going on. It was a good weekend. Um, absolutely. Hey, you, you already brought up the mid-major ranking, so we can just dive into that, but that was yeah. probably the hardest ranking mid-major ranking we've had to do. Oh, by far. And I, I'll, let's just start it from the get-go. Before we start it though, I want to say that mid-major rankings are sponsored by Yacker Tech and Baseball Cloud. Uh, they're doing a double partnership with us. They want to sponsor our mid-major rankings, uh, because that's a lot of the schools that they're targeting to try to get into, get their product and services involved um, across the mid-major levels here. Uh, and then, of course, they're a podcast sponsor of ours too. So, yeah, let's let's dive into it. Mid-major rankings, it's non-Power 5 teams are all eligible. And we have a new number one this week, and it's everybody's favorite. It's America's team. It's 
Campbell Camels. And yes, I said America's team because nobody hates this team, at least that we've seen across social media. Everybody is pulling for Camel baseball roll humps. So um, kind of kind of talk us through, Dimitri, how play we got them. that damn song, baby. Play <laughs> that damn song. So why did they jump into the number one ranking this week? I mean, at this point, and we try to keep preseason out of as much as possible. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes the name carries weight. When you look at a team, you're just like, dude, they're better. You know they're better. Mm-hmm. But it's hard to try to keep it as balanced as possible, focus on the tw- this year alone. But Campbell, they're 19 and three. East Carolina is 19 and five. Very similar there. Similar schedules. Both teams have played like one or two really tough opponents. It just came down to head to head. I mean, could we have left Campbell at two and been quote unquote accurate? Sure. But the head to head, two win, three game series, they won two. You've got to move them over. That's the main criteria when you're fighting between two teams. No? Yeah. And, and one more thing to build off of that. The way that Campbell is beating these bad teams, it, it's so impressive. They're putting up football numbers, 25 to 7, 21 to 3. This Campbell offense is just absolutely – I mean, they lost a first-round shortstop, and it feels like the offense got better. Uh, it, this is a team that, in my opinion, and I might be jumping to later in the episode where we're supposed to be talking about it, but I want to go ahead and just talk about it now. Wait, Camp- wait, let's finish our mid-major. No, let me just say God. one more thing about Campbell. Right. Campbell controls their own destiny to host a regional. And I don't know where they're going to host it. I don't know if they're – their field's probably not eligible um, to host a regional unless they do some major renovations throughout the year. But this is a team that controls their own destiny. It, they cannot host it. Well, they'll pick from one of the thousand minor league ballparks in North Carolina to, to host it at. But they're going to run through this conference. The Big South is – bad i mean other than maybe two or three competitive teams you're gonna see some football schools scores all year um, round for them through conference play so campbell i mean they're sitting right now i think in the d1 rankings around 18 or 19 they'll probably move up to 15 or lower this week wow what a, what a story if they could host a regional that's that's impressive what they've been doing the last five or six years hey let's pump the brakes a little bit we haven't even hit april yet and we talking regional we talking, talking about regional bro if and, they played a hard schedule i would never mention a regional but they play such an easy conference schedule and it's not their fault hey, um, i shared my screen look at their stadium i mean they just can't host a regional it's super nice it's got seat but it's just not big enough i mean look it stops you're barely getting past home plate on that halfway down the line that side it's just not big enough man have you ever seen the movie the bench warmers i mean it's been a long time but yeah they built a minor league facility in 24 hours in that movie Oh really? Uh, no, I mean it was in the movie. They didn't do it. In oh real life. Yeah, 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 yeah. But they I thought <laughs> you said they built this movie like filming set in twenty. No, um, I mean looking at the stadium, you can. I mean, if you really if, like, if they're like absolutely steamrolling and their schedule looks good and the projections keep having them hosting, like, and they can get a head start on it, they could start bringing in some temporary bleachers. Um, and maybe I don't know, man. It's just they would really have to ramp that place up with temporary bleachers everywhere down past the dugout. So I'm not saying it's 100 percent out of the equation, but 
it'd be really hard to convince the committee to say, hey, yeah, we're going to give you one of our 16 sites. The one thing I hope doesn't happen, I hope they don't. You remember when uh, Old Dominion was the number one seed at a South Carolina regional? That'll never happen without COVID. Well, I know, but I think there is a possibility that maybe they can't find a field or maybe a field's not available and they have to be a one seed at a two seed location. That would be stupid. I, I hope that does not happen if it gets to that point. No, it won't. No, 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 no. They, a, a, a outside of COVID, that COVID year, there will never be a two seed hosting under rare, rare circumstances. Yeah. I think Anyways. it's happened one or two times and since Super Regional era started in 99. It's very rare for a two seed to host. Yeah, unless they give a one seat a host, and the weather just they just see the weather and they're like, yeah, there's absolutely no way they're going to get mm-hmm. games in. They'll move it to the two seat or something like that. Yeah, um, but yeah, I, it, it's, it's extremely early to start talking about regionals, but it really it's fun. is. I know, I know. But anyways, let's move through this mid major poll. Um, there was only one new team that made it, and they fall in at number twenty five, and that's Sam Houston State. They won a huge series on the road against Grand Canyon, and that was probably our biggest argument when we were coming up with the rankings, Dimitri, was I thought Sam Houston deserved to be like higher than 25, but when we started looking at last week's uh, mid-major top 25 and, and this week's, it was it was hard to move some teams down because it felt like everybody from 16 to 25 won their series and had a good week. And you don't want to punish teams for losing – one game, but still winning the series. Uh, so we had to stick Sam Houston at 25, but they're definitely on our radar now. They have wins over Iowa, Kansas State, and I mean, just won two out of three at um, Grand Canyon. So, I mean, we we were we had Irvine, who has struggled lately. We had Northeastern, who we I really wanted to put in Northeastern. They they're right there. It was it was literally almost. It was either we kick out Irvine, which was crazy. I mean, that team swept Arizona State on the road. They have some good wins. We either kick them out, keep College of Charleston at 25, who we had there at last week. They didn't do anything to lose. But when, you, when you're when you doing a ranking, I mean, it's a every man for themselves fight. And you can't, if you don't convince us, because at the end of the day, we're the one making this ranking. So if you don't convince us that, you absolutely dominated or that you're better than the other team. Like we, there, we like there's a rare chance that you might get punished for winning, but <laughs> it, it, it was too hard. Sam Houston had to get in or Northeastern had to get in, or we kicked out Irvine and kept Charleston. And I think Irvine is a better team than Charleston. So that was kind of how we did it. I know sometimes you guys like to hear the reasoning behind it and that was pretty much it. Yeah. And it, we had to pull out all 25 resumes and just say, Who's the most fit for these 25 jobs? And then there was about three or four teams we had to leave out. Um, ultimately, Northeastern lost a series to Elon um, early, like a couple weeks ago. So we kept Elon in versus Northeastern. But what Northeastern has done, I think they have two ACC wins already this year, Duke and maybe Virginia Tech or somebody. I don't remember who their other ACC win was. But um, yeah, I mean, we, it was tough coming up with those last five spots and, and shaking things around. Now, one of the um, one of the interesting things we had to work with was really between eight and thirteen. 
And luckily, teams 8 through 13, they have been playing head-to-head against each other. So, for example, the Louisiana Raging Cajuns are at 8, Old Dominion Monarchs 9, Coastal Carolina Chanticleers 10, um, Texas State Bobcats 11, Southern Miss Golden Eagles 12, Dallas Baptist Patriots 13. So Dallas Baptist was at 13 because they lost to Southern Miss head-to-head. Southern Miss lost to Texas State head-to-head, so that's where you got 12-11. And then Coastal Carolina dominated Texas State this weekend. That's where you get 10-11 there. Old Dominion, they, they're they 22-4 and four or something this year, 24-2. and 20-4. Uh, 20-4 and four this year. Um, I mean, they very offensive club. They have done nothing but to continue to raise in these rankings, arise in these rankings. And then Louisiana Ragin' Cajuns are 18 and 7, but two of those losses were to uh Campbell, who's our number one mid-major team. And yeah, I mean, I think I think Louisiana's a a very solid team, but really between eight and thirteen, it's like who's playing best that weekend? Because I think all of those teams are very evenly matched. Yeah, no, I mean Louisiana five and one in the fun belt. They have they opened the season with a series win over Rice, who's actually turning out to be on the up, up, up coming up. Rice had a big really fan of the Rice season. Owls this year. Big um, fan of them. They're they had a real they had a hard fought. Um, they lost two out of three to UTSA. But anyway, that's a quality series win. Now that we know BYU, they swept their asses around all weekend. And yeah, three of their losses came McNeese, Campbell, Campbell, and then they got a win against Campbell. Their other loss midweek or Saturday against High Point, and then Mississippi State in a midweek. So in South Alabama, I think, but they haven't, their only series loss is Campbell. So I mean, yeah, I think they're a really good team. Now, um, here we go. So now that we're into like our top five, I really think that out of these top five teams, two of them could potentially host maybe a third, maybe. But if you look at Campbell, East Carolina, UC Santa Barbara, Florida Gulf Coast, and U- and UConn, like those five teams have, I mean, really yeah, don't just... Don't forget the runners. UTSA belonged in that conversation. Right. And, and even Grand Canyon still too. Um, like there's seven teams that, kind of control their own destiny. And then I also think one of the Sunbelt teams will separate themselves and uh, and host a regional too. So I'm loving the the talent that we see in the team aspect of things in the mid-major this year. Um, and then there's just nothing better for those programs than to host a regional. It generates so much money. It generates so much recruiting interest. Um, and, you know, it's something that the players can really say like, hey, you know, we had a team like um, – Texas A&M come to our regional or we had a team like Miami Hurricanes come to our regional. It's, it's something cool that they can say the rest of their lives that they were, you know, one of the top 16 teams at the end of the regular season. Yeah. I mean, Georgia Southern got lucky. Well, it depends on how you look at it, lucky or unlucky, but in that, uh, in that aspect, they got Texas tech and Notre Dame and Notre Dame ended up having, going all the way to Omaha after their upset <clears throat> over uh, arguably one of the top teams of the decade, Tennessee, last year. So, yeah, they'll always remember that regional. It's always special. You bring a lot of attention, a lot of exposure to your school, your facility, your everything, and you create interest in building better, bigger and better. So, but, yeah, I mean, 
Campbell, I mean, I think East Carolina, depending on how UCF does in the American, East Carolina should be in in a hosting conversation, depending on the RPI here and there. But Campbell, East Carolina, and then Florida Gulf Coast, if they absolutely run the table, they'll be in that argument. They'll be in that conversation. But it's really, really freaking hard. To well, let's freak. let's let's talk about coast. I mean, Florida Gulf Coast. I mean, they're they're in the A Sun, which is more competitive than the Big South, but still a conference that they are more talented than pretty much anybody, especially with Liberty being down this year. Um, Gulf Coast, you know, with the series win against Florida State, I know it doesn't hold as much weight, but you know, it still is something that appeases to the eyes there. If they go through and run the table and, and finish with a 45 and 11 record, something like that. I mean, don't forget a two game midweek sweep over Troy is going to carry weight as well. Yeah. I mean, Troy is a really good mid major team, too. We have them ranked in the poll. Um, but yeah, I mean, if, if Florida Gulf Coast, they're already sitting in the top 25 for every single college baseball media outlets' uh, rankings. Sure. I mean, they're going to be in the conversation. Now, Dimitri, answer me this. Does, are there facilities up? Like, is that a facility that can host no, no, a regional? No, no, no. I didn't Gulf think Coast so. Cannot host a regional either. They would have to play at the Miracle at the at the Red Sox Complex or something in Fort Myers, which would still be a fantastic place to host the regional. Right. Oh, you're um, right. They have a ton of ton of spring training facilities around there that they could host. But at. but the thing is, I just I'm not sure if I want them to host a regional. I think the atmosphere would be too neutralish feeling. Mm-hmm. It would be way too like if you send Miami there, maybe if you send Florida State there, maybe if you send UCF there, like if you give schools a chance to travel there, then you can get some a decent um, environment. But overall, I just I don't like the whole hosting at a minor league park. It just gives weird. It doesn't give a true regional feel. Yeah, so that's, that's a good why I think about it. I never even thought about that. Um, it's just. Yeah, I don't know if I like the dynamics of that neutral site feeling. Um, but yeah, I mean, Gulf Coast, they're just going to have to absolutely take advantage every single midweek the rest of the year to keep their head above the RPI uh, water. Mm-hmm. They get FAU four times this year in the midweek. They get a South Florida RPI, not very good. Wait, they play FA. Wait, we just skipped over. They play FAU four times in a midweek? Yeah, they play FAU four times. Oh my god, that's kind of a yeah. joke, dude. I mean, it is what it is. I guess they don't want to travel much because they play in the state of Florida a lot. And I mean, why would why they can't? They're four Myers. They cannot in the midweek. They cannot go anywhere. Yeah, it's so far. They're down. way down south in the corner. Mm-hmm. So they don't have Miami and FAU. I mean, they're three three hours. Across alligator. Florida Alley, Gulf but... Coast should just schedule the Cuban national team. All right, we're back. Um, my Wi-Fi cut out once again, as all of you longtime listeners know. Sometimes the Wi-Fi just cuts out on me. I, I think it's a computer problem because my Wi-Fi on my phone still worked good, and I don't know. It's just I have great Wi-Fi. I don't know why. Maybe you work. should take. Maybe you should take some of the money we have made this year and invest to bring better and higher quality content to the people. I dude, I have the I think the second highest Wi-Fi connection that my that spectrum what, offers. No, a computer, not a Wi-Fi. Oh. 
Ah, now you're thinking. Yeah, I, I do need to do that. It's something that you need I need to invest need. back. You need to invest back in the people by bringing them higher quality content. Yeah, and I want to do more like video editing and graphic design and stuff too, which um, you know would help out a lot. So yeah, it's a good idea, Dimitri. Just go and uh, use some of the sponsorship yeah, money, yeah, use some of the Patreon time, money to. It's time for you to step up your your elite content game. Right now, you're you're in like the uh, in the average crowd. You need to separate yourself and, and, and take yourself to the moon. Thanks, coach. Love that. Um, but I think we left off here. Let's just move forward. Um, I think we left off on me saying that FGCU needs to schedule the Cuban national team in a midweek. Whatever. That, that'll help their RPI, right? What? Wouldn't that help their RPI? Big win against uh, the... I think the Cuban national team, I think the Cuban, their RPI would probably be in like the 12 to 15 range. <laughs> they're not quite They're not quite top 10, but they play a tough schedule. Yeah. They, they they win some, they lose some. They, they, I think they would have a pretty good RPI. It would be a, a quality uh, midweek. Yeah, they had a couple midweek losses to start the World Baseball Classic, but when the weekends rolled around, they played great. <laughs> Anyways... Um, so as far as like mid-major before rankings we go, go, before we go, last episode we talked about UTSA possibly hosting regional. I think I think at the end of the day you have Campbell and East Carolina. So I think you're guaranteed one of those two. I think it's going to be an almost a guarantee unless Campbell falls off the face of the earth, which I don't know how it's possible with that schedule they have. Mm-hmm. So one. Santa Barbara, if they win the Big West and they, you know, kind of take care of business, they're going to get there. Depending on how the Pac-12 does, they'll probably be in the running for one of the West Coast hosting spots. Easily, yes, hundred percent. If 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 the Pac-12 plays like shit and they don't bring forward two quality hosting host team, Santa Barbara kind of jumps in at the West Coast team that's available to host as long as their resume is good enough. So. One, two, I would say th- two for sure, maybe a third, depending on how UTSA, Florida Gulf Coast, and UConn and Grand Canyon. If UConn takes care of Ben, then UConn could be in that argument this year. So it would be really fun to follow. I think I think three, two and a half is a great over-underline to set it at. Two and a half? Yeah. Man, I think any any smart gambler would say under two and a half mid-major or non-power five hosts, but if there is a year to have three or more, it would be this year, just because all like the ACC and the Big Twelve and the SEC are all just beating up on each other. It, they, it's it's a week in week out basis where anybody can beat anybody. I mean, I mean, think about it. Is it safe to say East Carolina at this point until they show it otherwise the automatic host every year? Automatic, and they play in a pretty easy conference too. So, they should host. Okay, so that's one right there. Basically, you're saying UTSA, even even Louisiana, Old Dominion, and Coastal, and Texas State, Southern Miss, you throw them in this conversation. You're telling me you can't get Campbell, Santa Barbara, Gulf Coast, UConn, Grand Canyon, UTSA, Louisiana, Old Dominion, Coastal, Texas State, Southern Miss. You can't get two hosts out of all those teams. It's very yeah, possible. you could. That's a good point. So that over two and a half. Over two and a half, I think it's a great spot. You're going to get two or three, and three is possible. So mm-hmm. it'd be like it'd be like plus two hundred for three, minus one ten for two, or something like that. Yeah. Um, 
anyways, uh, one more thing I'm going to say about mid-major is if you're anybody in college baseball, you do not want to have Coastal Carolina host a regional because those cats can absolutely mash at home. I mean, their numbers at home are ridiculous, Dimitri. They they hit like a grand slam every inning, it felt like, the first two days. Get them on, get them in. That's coastal strategy. Get them on with less than two out. You have two at-bats to hit a three-run or a grand slam or a three-run homer. And next mm-hmm. thing you know it, game game's over or you just lost your lead. They, they they remind me of in college football terms like an Oklahoma or a Texas Tech from like the early 2010s where they don't Coastal Carolina does not pitch the ball well but they'll beat you 16 they to 13 they did this weekend you're right and and I do want to give them credit for that because they've kind of proved me wrong there um, no, but they were it's one weekend they got to do it two or three times in a row right, for but, before you to be wrong. They're like very comfortable winning a game 16 to 13. Like their players like kind of enjoy it. They just want to keep hitting bombs over dead center field 395 feet away, 50 feet over the fence. Like these guys thrive for the deep fly ball. They love it. Let me let me ask you this. It coastal pitching coach, it's coast is uh their their coaching staff in general. Is their leash different than other schools where like if a guy goes out there gives up two runs, they're like, we're leaving him in. If he goes five innings, five runs, that's a great day for Dude, us. Dude, that's all they ask for. Hey. Like, like, what is their leash? Like, a reliever goes in and gives up two, they got to hurry up and get him out of there? Or do they just say, you know what, let's let him get three out? Or we'll, get, we'll get out. We'll make it up on the offensive side. Yeah, it's a very interesting team, dude. And, and I love it. I love watching him. Um, I love Vegas setting the lines over under at 17 and a half on a Friday, 16 and a half on a Saturday. It's it's like, wow. I mean, we saw we saw a good arm. We saw them face a good arm this weekend in Levi Weld. Are they really absolutely like top three? First. They burned him alive. Mm-hmm. Top two or three arm in the, in the Sun Belt. And that's a deep conference. And they torched him. They torched him. Absolutely torched him. He didn't even get out of the second inning. So... Anyway, yeah, I mean, I, um, Southern Miss, hard-fought win. Hey, at this point for Southern Miss, just just get series win. Don't worry, oh. don't worry about how you do it. Yeah, series that was win. a fun series. The bench that is was cleared a fun there. fun belt rivalry. Dude, new, newly fun belt rivalry with Southern Miss joining the conference this year. And um, Slade Wilkes hit a go-ahead homer late in the game on Saturday, first game of the doubleheader. And bench is cleared. Catchers pushing and shoving. Um, Hunter Dickinson, is that his name? I always think it's Dickinson or Dickerson. Gosh, I'm Dickerson, sorry. Dickerson, Dickerson. Dickerson, you're right. Dude, he's a fireball, man. Like, he he wants to fight everybody. And it, it's fun. Like, he's a great college baseball player. Just And, and I mean this in the most respect because some people might take it differently. But he's a dirtbag. He's a like dirtbag. Like, and a dirtbag is somebody that – like you love having on your team and other teams probably hate playing against him because he just does everything hard nose, like going to get the uniform dirty. And, and yeah, he's, he started a pushing and shoving little, uh, I'm not going to call it a brawl, but a little brouhaha. It was, uh, I love those two teams going at it. And, and Georgia Southern has a longtime head coach, uh, Southern Miss longtime head coach, like two people that are very comfortable in their positions. And sometimes they just let their players get after it. Um, and that was fun. It was a good, it was a good watch there, but yeah, Southern Miss won two out of three at home 
And but props to Georgia Southern for salvaging a game. Um, don't get swept on the road against good teams, and your RPI is not going to fall too bad. And uh, so they they salvaged it. They won they won that third game, the second game of the doubleheader. Yeah. Hey, speaking of a little hostility, I guess you don't even have to consider this one hostility, but we were we forgot to mention it when we were talking about Liberty and the Atlantic Sun and Gulf Coast. Austin P. Liberty, Austin P.'s head coach, um, Fanning. Rolling Fanning, my new favorite coach. Back, throwing back a two-liter Mountain Dew in the middle of argument, conversation with the umpire after getting tossed in major, major college baseball energy right there. Yes. I mean, so I guess to set the scene, Liberty scores eight runs in the first inning. And um, – and I forget the player's name for Liberty. He had a great weekend. I think he hit three or four homers for him. Nathan, Nathan Skeeter. No, Nathan. Keeter? Keating? Keating? Keeter? God, that's so bad of us. We should have came prepared. Keetel, Nathan Keetel, something like that. Um, but he, he hits a home run, and and Austin P feels like he shows him up by like staring at the dugout and does a little hip thrust he or didn't something. Do, he didn't even do anything. It wasn't anything major in my opinion, but you know, in the third inning when he comes back around to hit, um, Austin P's relief pitcher comes in and throws one over his head. And it was it was all fine and dandy. Nobody said anything. Um, hitter didn't do anything, pitcher didn't do anything, and then the umpire like kind of like did a, a what's it called? Um uh, a second glance or like a uh, there, there's a word for it, I can't think of it right now. But he uh he like kind of snaps into reality, he's like, wait, hold on, time. And he like has a little meeting with the other umpires and they, they end up ejecting the pitcher and uh, the head coach, you know, Roland Fanning, head coach of Austin P. And there's like a 10 minute delay on the field. Everybody's trying to figure out what's and going then they on. Eject the catcher. And then the catcher says something to one of the umpires and the umpire turns around and just tosses him too. So you have to wait for them to all pack You're up their stuff here too. Yeah. You have to have, you have to wait for everybody to pack up their stuff and walk to the bus and you see on camera the Austin P guys like walking down the right field line up the stairs and into the bus. And meanwhile, <laughs> Roland Fanning, head coach Austin <laughs> P, is just slugging a two liter of Mountain Dew on the field with a backpack on, just chatting it up with the umpire before he leaves to get it. I mean, he got ejected too. But it's like, in, in what other sport do you see a coach get ejected, not lose his shit, and just chat it up with the umpire, just drinking a two liter of old Mountain Dew? Uh, that was that was fantastic. Hey, another one we didn't even tweet about it or anything because there was like not really much to show. But Louisiana Monroe and Troy seven ejection in a doubleheader in two games. There wasn't any like benches clearing or anything like that. Troy hit a home run. Louisiana Monroe. Well, let me rewind to Friday. No, Saturday. Sorry, Saturday they had a doubleheader day and day and night. Okay. Hits a home run for Troy, runs around the base. It does, doesn't do anything. Maybe a little bat flip and nothing crazy. Louisiana Monroe threw it over his head and hit the backstop, just like the Liberty game. Um, he gets tossed. Head coach gets tossed. I guess there's a rule of it the same day. They can appeal and umpire the, or be in the dugout for the second game. Something like that, right? Next game, something crazy happens again. Home run, something like that. Uh, oh, there was a check swing strike three call that he didn't like. Um, um, what's his name for Louisiana Monroe? Delmonico? No. Um, oh, my God. 
What's his name? Anyway, anyway, long story short, he argued that he gets tossed. Next guy gets a hit or a home run. The pitching coach for Louisiana Monroe comes out and takes his bat and brings it back to their dugout because they're on the first base side. He goes <laughs> and brings it back to the dugout. He gets tossed. Another player gets tossed. And then somebody somebody else got tossed. And it was like ended up being six or seven ejections in the first and second game of the doubleheader. The head coach got tossed twice in one day. Are you kidding me? Federico. Federico. Fedri- Federico. That's his name. Yeah, that's right. That that yep, that's it. Um yep. So, so yeah, I didn't I, mean, I didn't people, see the video on this. Do you think anybody like did or didn't deserve to be tossed, or was it all pretty fair? I mean, it was just pretty straightforward. Like you do that, you're if you do one of the things that they did, you're getting tossed. Like it Wait, was pretty tell me again what the pitching coach did with the bat. He went and got the bat because the guy threw it close to their dugout, I guess. When he flipped it kind of close, but he, it was it wasn't that close, it was a good like 10 feet. He went out and got the bat and brought it back inside their own dugout. And then um, Troy said, what the fuck, dude? Like, give, give me my bat back. Like, give our bat back. So they walked across the field and got the bat out of their dugout and brought it back to their dugout. <laughs> it was hilarious. So, like, and hey, if you pimp a homer and flip your bat, if you pimp a homer and flip your bat towards our dugout, we're just going to steal this bat. Yeah. You remember when Vitello last year went out and got the bat and slung it back across the field? Yeah, I do remember that. Oh my god! I mean, find find me another version of baseball where you get just listen, dude. My wife will watch you know these Kardashian shows and Vanderpump Rules and all this for the drama. You know they love this this real life scripted drama. There's no better drama in the world than college baseball because every little thing just irritates fans and players and coaches more than anything. And I mean, we, we, and yeah, I mean, and we're just in the middle of it. We irritate people all the time. We say something they don't like, we irritate them. They say mm-hmm. some, they tweet out something we don't like, they irritate us. It's just drama everywhere. I and the players it. are just having a grand old time while creating drama for everybody yes. else. So it's awesome. But yeah, we can move forward to more stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, we still have a lot of bullet points left here. Um, the first one I want to say, before diving into like conference play and everything, uh, congrats to to Brody Brecht of Iowa baseball. Um, everybody knows he's a flamethrower, beat LSU this year up to 101 miles an hour. Great pitcher, but he also plays wide receiver on the Iowa baseball team. He came out, made a statement, just thanking Iowa football and saying like, "Hey, I'm no longer going to be playing football. I'm going to focus my career on you know baseball and the professional baseball draft." All this stuff. So, um, bless you. <laughs> that scared that me. Sneeze and a half. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Brody Brecht is going to focus on baseball moving forward, and I think that's the right decision. This it was a just a decision that needed to be made a long time ago. Yeah, but he, he, he wanted tell to his hold on love. to his football dream. What? Yeah, his first love is football, though. He, he, yeah, he wanted to hold on to his football dream as long as he could. Which, you know what, tip my cap. That's what you're supposed to do. Chase your dreams as long as you can. The older you get, the more harder decisions you have to make. Yeah. Just like just like playing soccer, hockey, whatever you're playing with the kid, at one point you have to start choosing which one you want to put all your effort in. Because the higher level you go, the more time and effort and focus it, it requires. I so. wonder if the Iowa baseball coaches were – they got Jeff Samarja yeah. on the phone – and just had Jeff Samarja, you know, former wide receiver, superstar at Notre Dame, also a great closer from the Notre Dame baseball team, and was like, hey, 
Jeff, can you tell Brody how much money you made in the major leagues? And it was probably a short conversation. It was like, oh, I can make $100 million pitching a baseball every fifth day. Okay, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I'll focus on baseball. Or, or you can call Brandon Whedon and say, how did your professional career go? Football was the right choice. Well, yeah, but... I'm, I'm, I'm making a joke. I'm not being okay. serious. I, mean, I was going to say, there's a joking. big difference... Big difference between Jeff Samarja, two-time World Series champion, and uh, Brandon Whedon, former um, third-string yeah, no, quarterback right. on the Texans. He definitely made the right decision. It's a million-dollar decision that he, I think, will look back on it with 100% the right. The guy going to, even if he doesn't make it to the big league, if he get the day one pick, you're getting 500k minimum after that's taxes. life-changing money yep it sets you, you up for success yeah you can go you can go play fly football for the rest of your life after your five years of minor league ball if you don't make it mm-hmm. you take your your million dollar invest it well it. Yep. yeah he'll be set for life so 100 mm-hmm. the right decision um now will will we see him improve exponentially from now until the draft Maybe you remember last year with Oklahoma's um Kate Horton. Yeah. He he I mean I think I honestly think he made a million dollars in two weeks. Yeah, from the from the well basically from Three Big weeks. Twelve. Well it was a Big Twelve tournament, I felt like was his big um coming weeks. out party. Big twelve regional super in and Omaha. College World Three Series. Yeah. Yeah. So he um, he made he made his money in three weeks. Brody Brecht's already on everybody's radar. All he has to do is dominate, and he's going to be a day one pick, no doubt. He, he had another good outing. I think he went five innings, eleven strikeouts last week uh, or yesterday against whoever they were playing, Minnesota or somebody. But um, anyways, let's let's talk now about. Well, I'll give you the choice. Do you want to talk about Golden Spikes or do you want to talk about Freshman of the Year? Because I think both of these. Are good topics to go, you know, six weeks Do into the season. Do you want to talk about teams or individuals first? Well, individuals for sure. All right, we'll talk individuals. Let's go. Let's go. Golden spikes. I think that's a very good conversation to have because a lot of people are debating the obvious: Dylan Cruz and Jack Cagliotani. Yeah, I mean, right now I have it written down on my paper. Yeah, Cags versus Krugs. Cags versus Cruz, sorry. Um, I mean, you have a great case for both guys, right? I mean, Jack Caglian. Oh God, I'm gonna mispronounce his Caglian name. Caglianone. Caglianone. That's not Caglianone. how they pronounce it, though. That's not. It's it's Caglione. Caglione. It's Caglione. I said it right. Caglione. 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 Yep. God, that's so. That's bad. right. That's right. The A is kind of like super soft, almost yeah. silent. Caglione. Jack Caglione. Um, I mean, he hit his 17th home run this weekend. He hit number 14, 15, 16, 17. And yeah, I mean, he leads the nation in home runs and he's a left-handed pitcher. Um, but his pitching outing wasn't great today. He had eight walks. It wasn't great. It was horrendous almost. It was, yeah, it was I mean, bad. It was bad. Eight walks. It's tough, man. It, it Now, it didn't come back and bite him. Florida ended up sweeping Ole Miss. But um, let's talk about his hitting because – 17 home runs in what 25 games ish 24 games 26 i think it's 26 official game that's insane dude i I saw somebody tweet out 
that Ivan Melendez, who broke the NCAA BP core record with 32 homers last year, um, he hit his 17th home run like in the end of April, like middle. Yeah. No, it was like middle of April. Like what? Wow, he's, he's dude! Almost a month ahead, of, almost like two, three weeks ahead of schedule. And 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 Ivan Melendez, I mean, he what? What did he play? Two games in Omaha last year. Yep. And he, I don't think did he. I don't, I don't did he. I don't think he hit one in Omaha last year. I know, but like, yeah, you're right. He didn't. He didn't hit one in Omaha, but but still, um, his, his record breaking home run was against East Carolina in the Super. We might have three or four guys break that 32 home run record because, um, you know, down the road, former teammate of Cags was is Chris Armstrong from from Jacksonville, who hit six home runs in a 28 hour period. He had three homers on Saturday, three homers today on Sunday. Um, and he went from 10 homers on the season to 16. 16. So he made a huge jump. There's also a ton of guys at 14, and I think one more at 15. The The home run numbers are absolutely crazy right now. We haven't seen anything like this since 2009 when there was, you know, BESR bats and they were all loaded and juiced. But now I think it's I mean it's without a question the balls are juiced, right? I think I think the bats have been technolo- technologically advanced so much that BB core might be a BB core, but I mean dude, balls are bouncing off those bats like B B B S R. We saw a couple home runs in the Wake Forest series that were into the bat, like line drive, probably 18 exit or exit launch angle or whatever they call it. Uh, 18 degree launch angle that should not have been a home run anywhere. And it just keeps flying. That's what tells me. I think it's the balls. It, 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 I'm telling you the B, BB core bats are not the BB core bats. When they first came out, companies have advanced them so much to stay within the rule, but still improve them. Yeah. I mean, it's, been a, it's been over a decade now. BB cores today. Well, I don't know why there's, this word is so hard to say. BB cores today are not the same BB core used in 2014. No, not even close. Not even close. These these bats are, are trampoline. I'm not saying I'm not accusing people of cheating. I'm just talking fact. Balls are flying off. How much can you juice the ball before it becomes a lacrosse ball? Hmm. You you know what I mean? Like I don't think it's the balls that are being that are super juiced. I think the bats have just improved that much. I I think one of the main reasons why I think it's this is a good debate here. Is it the bats or is it the balls? One of my arguments for why I think it's the balls is also, you know, velocity is way up, spin rate is way up. They, there is a lot you can do to manipulate seams and the size of the baseball potentially, even if it's just fractions of an inch. It changes the dynamic physically of uh, what's going on when it comes off a bat. I will say, I think I agree with you that it can be the balls too, because I'm sorry, but a hundred miles an hour, I don't, I think people are becoming numb to how, how impressive of a feat it is for someone to throw a hundred miles an hour. It's normal now to see someone 98 to a hundred. You're seeing guy touching it almost all the time. I mean, if you throw on an SEC game, you have a chance of seeing a hundred. You're seeing 98 at least once in that game. Easily. Yeah. And, and I, and people, I've seen a lot of people making the argument, oh, well, training and information and everything is 
so much better. I'm like, no, 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 no. That that can get you so far. But physically, how how can we physically change as human being in the baseball world this fast, this much, this fast? Yeah, it, it mean, felt like it was overnight, like within the last year and a half or two years. I mean, I I mean, okay, I'm not 2011 with 12 years ago. You were an ACC SEC arm if you were hitting 90 as a junior. Mm-hmm. For, for for me, for example, I was 87, 89 all the time my junior year. Fall of senior year, we went down. We went to Jupiter for the uh, w, the perfect game, WWBA World Championship, whatever. I hit 92 there immediately. South Carolina, Clemson, Georgia Tech, they all started talking to me at the field. And Shade was there. And he basically said, he's always, he's already committed. He's already signed. <laughs> I wasn't signed, but I was committed. And I wasn't, I wasn't planning on decommitting or anything like that because, you know, I, I just don't do that. You commit, they saw me first. They had the most faith in me from the beginning. So why would I? Mm-hmm. Not have faith in them that they believed in me first. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Anyway, yeah, it was the moment you hit 90, ACC, SEC started coming. And nowadays, 90 is a Saturday or Sunday guy in a, in a, at a mid-major on the, in yeah. terms of recruitment process. You're not getting, you're not getting a high level SEC guy, 90, 91, 92, unless they have elite stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, ten years, ten years is a long time, but you can't tell me the new ninety is ninety six. You can't tell me that it changed that much that fast. It was it was so fast. Um, yeah, obviously, player development and strength strength training and everything it plays a big factor into it. But explain to me, like, so many arm injuries you see nowadays. That also tells me it has to do with the ball itself, too. Um, you know, you, you maybe the, the training is too much. Is too much. The humans having it because I think twenty years from now, Tommy John are going to be a thing of the past. Are people going to still get them? Yeah, but I think once this generation starts having kids and those kids start training, I think Tommy. I mean, it's human evolution, like science. Mm-hmm. Naturally, people are going to have stronger UCL. I, I mean, it's just it is what it is. Oh wow! Now we're getting into but, uh, ge- but, genealogy but, but, and everything. But if me think about it, ACL injuries are way more common than they were twenty years ago in the NFL. Time change, evolution changes. Will ACL injury be as common twenty years from now? Probably not. I don't think so. Same thing with elbow injury. But my point is. I just don't see guys throwing 96 without some sort of adjustment in the ball in some small shape way or shape or form. Yeah. So that's a well long winded answer to say, yeah, the ball has changed a little bit. Has to we be. just went on a whole conversation about bats and balls and we're trying to talk about golden spikes. I know. Um, anyway, so sorry, Dylan Cruz. We just totally skipped over your segment there. Um, but Hey, I mean, it's, when it comes down to the golden spikes debate right now, I think you have to look at just two guys and, and no offense hey. to anybody else below there, but it's, it's Jack, it's, it's Cags versus Cruz to make it simple. Um, Dylan Cruz I think you can make an argument for one more guy in that golden spike conversation. 
I know who you're going to. You're going to uh, Tolly from from Wichita State. Peyton Tolly from Wichita State is hitting 379, four homers, 23 RBIs, five double. And he also has a three ERA on the mound, a .94 whip in 36 innings with 42 strikeouts. He's also 5-0 and on the mound. Yeah, I mean, that's a great story, but he doesn't come close to – even the the two the two guys well, we're talking well, about. I mean, I mean, we're still early. He's his competition is a little bit weaker. His numbers are, at the end of the year could be better than their numbers. So you never know. I think it's still early. I mean, the conversation is a hundred percent Caglione Cruz today. Yeah. Um. And and I think Cruz is the best baseball player by far. And I think he probably will. I mean, no doubt be a top three pick. Most likely going to be one overall, unless somebody no, chooses. He's he probably one, unless yeah, Paul unless Paul Skeens or Chase Dolander or somebody else just like goes off the rest of the year, and like that's the team, that's what the Pirates want. But let me uh, ask you this: Cag Caglione or Cruz? Make your pick for the Golden Today. Spikes. Yep, man, I, I got to go with Caglione. I got to go with Jack, Jack Caglione, not because. I mean, Dylan Cruz is the best baseball player, but the most outstanding baseball player, like, I mean, he, Caglione does it both ways. He's um, an elite pitcher. I know he had a bad outing, but we can still call him an elite pitcher. Good numbers this year, helping to, helping his team win. He's still hitting over 400 with 17 home runs. Or sorry, um, is it 17 now or is it 16? 17. He has 16. Yeah, going 17. 17 home runs. Um, I mean, Dylan Cruz has nine, I think, eight or nine home runs. And I know home runs aren't everything. Dylan Cruz's Dylan Cruz OPS is like oh, Dylan Cruz's OPS is like close to 2,000. It feels like um, Dylan Cruz OPS is 16.45. Caglione entering today with 14.34. You want to know who? There's another guy that I would. Could be on that Golden Spikes watch list. It's Nolan Shanuel from Florida Atlantic. What are his numbers he has a like? Fifteen hundred OPS with nine homers. Wow. Fifteen hundred with. Wow, fifteen hundred with nine homers is crazy. It's just like Dylan Cruz. That was um, entering today. So now, if Dylan Cruz stole forty bases or thirty bases in a year, and and this, like, I could see, I could see him overcoming um cags but the way cags also pitches i mean I, just, I have to give it to him and it this could obviously change but cags has almost twice as many home runs as dylan cruz it's he it's kind of crazy twice many home runs he's also pitching which by the way i think <coughs> especially on saturday they need to get him in the dh spot He's going to wear out way too fast by the end of the season, mm-hmm. playing first every day and then pitching. It's not going to work. Yeah. He's also um, played but, better competition. Like Dylan what? Cruz played a very soft non conference schedule. Florida's was like, Florida's non conference schedule was much better. Yeah. But can we put that to rest? Look at what he did this weekend against Arkansas. Oh, I know. Listen, I know. So, I mean, the non-competition, whatever. He's doing it again, whoever the hell steps on that round. Yeah. Um, It'll be interesting, it? though. Like, if the season ended yeah. today, I don't know who the voters would vote for. I think I think you have to give it to Caglione. Caglione. Yeah. I think so, you too. Have to. I mean, 
home run leader with who pitching on Sunday. Like, how do you deny that? Yeah, that's a good point. Um, anyways, um, Fresh one, one more thing I want to say here. Speaking of CAGs, um, Chris Armstrong, we, we talked about him hitting six homers in a 28 hour time span. He was on that Florida Gators team last year and got 100 at bats, only hit two home runs for Florida. So, this is a good example for everybody listening, like how great the transfer portal can be. You know, I think he ended up graduating from Florida and grad transferring to uh, Jacksonville. But I mean, just if you get yourself in the, the right place, your numbers can absolutely explode. You know, feeling comfortable in the lineup, feeling comfortable hitting at your ballpark. Uh, there's a lot of factors that it, it just eases the mind and makes you a better baseball player. So Chris Armstrong went from somebody that probably wasn't going to get drafted if he stayed at Florida because he probably wasn't going to get a lot of playing time this year to a, a real potential draft prospect that is neck and neck with former teammate um, and home runs for the nation's lead. So good for him. Happy about that. Absolutely. I don't know why I have to like cough or whatever. My throat is like super dry. Um, but yeah, I mean, Ethan Petrie had 12 homers. He's hitting 440. I mean, Dude, like that weekend he just fight. had was insane for South Carolina. I mean, it's unbelievable. I mean, he's not even the he he might be the best freshman in the country, but there's somebody not even two hours south of him who is right on his heel, Charlie Condon at Georgia, hitting 470 with 10 bombs, 40 yeah. yards. 40 it, RBI. So it feels like the freshman of the year debate is is gonna come down. Like we can't answer that yet. Ethan Petrie, I think, wins it in my opinion right now. Um, he's a freshman superstar at South Carolina. He had what three homers this weekend, a walk-off single. Um, just a man amongst boys, dude. Just swings the bat so hard. And he's helped that team win at least three games that I can remember of you know the, yep. the Ethan Petrie show. Um Georgia. I mean, another big physical specimen and and just barrels everything up. He, he never gets cheated on a swing and feels like he never hits the ball soft. Like when he hits it, it just rockets off his bat. So it's going to be fun watching those two kind of fight out the freshman of the year. Um, in the SEC, at least. In the SEC, probably nationwide too, though. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the only other home run guy that I could think of that could keep up Brock Wilkin at Wake Forest. I mean, oh, he going can, back I, to uh, going back to the Cags versus uh, uh, Armstrong well, debate I was right just now. Looking, I have I have a bunch of I have a couple guys on my my short list here for you know freshman of the year, gold spikes, yada yada home run list. But yeah, I, I forgot to mention him. So yeah, well, no, he's got an advantage for playing at a very small field. Yeah, absolutely. But you know what's most interesting? I mentioned it to you. I was specifically looking for, you know, West Coast players in the, the individual statistics. They're not there, man. They're really not there. And I don't I don't know if it's the brand of baseball they play, just the, that big of a difference in talent. Pitching is that good. I don't know what it is. When you look at home run numbers, no West Coast team. When you look at averages, no West Coast team. And it's been like that for the last, at least since we started the podcast. There's never really been a, a last West year. I mean, I mean, 
if Braden Montgomery could easily be in that Golden Spice conversation with Caglione, mm-hmm. but his numbers just aren't there. So I, I think the ballparks are bigger. I, I really don't think the ball flies like it does in the Southeast in some of these stadiums, these parks. Has to be. Yeah, that has to be the reason why. I mean, I mean, a home run at Stanford is a home run at most SEC parks. I mean, is that off? Is that is that I feel is that accurate? Yeah. What were you trying to? What was your point there? That like Braden Montgomery, if you put him in the SEC, he could he he his, the amount of attention he got would be extremely different. Yeah, I mean, the attention itself for sure. I mean. I I don't know. There's a, there's a lot of talent on the West Coast. We, 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 we both know it. We live it. The SEC, the ACC, the Southeast, the mid-major, all of them. The Fun Belt, Sun Belt, Conference USA, Conference, whatever. More attention because the brand of baseball overall is just better. But I'm just, it's just kind of disappointing that not even in the top 10 statistical categories, you don't see anything. Yeah. You don't see even one guy. So, I, I, I mean, the talent disparity is growing every year i feel like but when it comes down to regionals and super regionals you're gonna see these west coast teams um you know beat and hang around and make it to omaha so that's what i'm always intrigued in is seeing teams that maybe i haven't watched too much of uh like a stanford from two years ago or arizona from two years ago where they you know go and beat an sec team in in a super regional and you're like oh wow these guys are actually good um, and so we know the talents out there. Like we know West Coast baseball is it's, it's a different brand over there, but it, it still works. It still works. No, no, you know it. I mean, you watch the March Madness. There's not a single top three seed team in the Final Four. When you mm-hmm. get to postseason, it, everything is out the window. Is who in, who's the best team on that day? And we know West Coast teams can make noise and make it home. I'm not denying that. I think they're really good. I just think why are the statistical categories? Why are they showing that? Are the, is the pitching that much better out west? Like, what is it? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because right, pitching, so- pitching, pitching is mo- like almost the number one priority in in West Coast brand. And you see a lot of guys have success, like pitching wise, outside of college. You know, there's a lot of West Coast guys that you know have great professional careers exactly. that that went out, that played out west. So, yeah, I mean, we'll have to just monitor that situation the rest of the year see how it works out but you're right like the offense really comes from the, the southeast east coast baseball southeast baseball let's talk let's talk actual baseball that happened this weekend all right cool um so hey there there was uh let's see one two three four teams that really stood off stood out to me as far as winning the weekend Okay. Um, you know, I always do three winners, three losers. I, I narrowed it down to four winners for me. And one of them was Tennessee. Tennessee, who was the biggest loser last week, um, getting swept by Missouri. They come back at home and sweep a, a pretty good Texas A&M team. And they did it in a way that wasn't, it wasn't flashy. It wasn't, um, you know, here's all the attention on me. You know, we need attention. It was it was like they had to come back and win a couple of those games. They had to rely on different players. So I, I really thought Tennessee was a big winner for me. 
this past weekend and and kind of put themselves back into a good gracious amongst SEC um, you know standings and and potential host regional hosting picture. The second team here that I think won the weekend. Speaking of out west, was is Washington. Washington going on the road to win two out of three against UCLA, which everybody has UCLA in a top eight spot right now. Um, that said a lot to me about Washington, and that's a team that you and I have been kind of monitoring out in the Pac-12. Them and Washington State, they've had really good years over there. Um, and not a lot of people know this, but Washington made it to a College World Series not too long ago. I think it was 2015 maybe it was 2016 but they well, played good. it's not possible anymore because their secret ingredient is no longer there he had the gaucho who's that donegal fergus hitting coach of santa barbara he was the one that took them boys them huskies to omaha oh that's right i'm just I kind of i'm just trying to give him a shout out to the perfect <laughs> okay. opportunity um so i thought washington was a big winner this weekend Here's another one that, I mean, for the third week in a row, maybe we should stop doing it, but Boston College, their, their third straight ACC series win, this is a team that everybody picked to finish last in the ACC this year. And they just beat NC State two out of three this weekend, um, puts them at six and three in the standings in the ACC, second behind uh, Wake Forest. But, wow, bird ball is balling out this year. Happy for those guys. Hey, don't forget, Boston College still had quite a few suspensions from their midweek against Northeastern. Yeah, I saw that. It's going to be like a revolving door of suspensions. Like a couple players. They're not all at once. Mm -hmm. Because you can't – I mean, I get it. Two now, two next week, two after that. Because you decimate a team and it ruins their whole season over it. Mm -hmm. No, 100%. Um, what about so, so obviously like South Carolina swept Missouri, they're a winning they're, like they're a winner from the weekend. But I didn't put them on the list just because after all Missouri's injuries and everything, like it felt like South Carolina should have swept that series or won that series on the road. The other team here is Arizona State sweeping Arizona. Um, that's my last winner of the weekend as far as like big name, like maybe eye popping. Our or yours? Mine, mine. Sorry, but. Thank you. Arizona got off to a great start to the season. They beat Tennessee. They were they were sweeping teams, and Arizona State with with Willie Bloomquist, or sorry, Willie Bloomquist um, at the helm, didn't have high expectations last year. Didn't have high expectations this year, but you know they're finally starting to play like really good baseball, and I think they're five and one now in the Pac-12. And I know they lost a series at Mississippi State earlier this year, which isn't holding up well for the RPI. Arizona State is going cold, hot, cold, not a winning formula. Next team, please. Okay, fine. Uh, but, yeah, those are my biggest winners of the weekend. I know it's probably you – know, there's there's 100 teams I could have picked, but I, I wanted to stick with those because they weren't teams that we really – I don't know. Not a lot of people shine lights on those teams. I think LSU has to be a biggest winner. They proved they were the number one team in the country. They proved they will out-depth and they will out-hit you, whatever it takes. Arkansas, I think, showed – I think Arkansas showed me more than LSU because I think they showed everybody, hey, they're, we're a top-five team. We're probably a top-five team in the Who country. Who would have – like, 
you would have thought I was crazy if I would have said, yeah, LSU is going to win two out of three this weekend, but they're going to lose Paul Skeens' start on Friday. I know, right? I know, what right? What in the world, man? That's crazy. And you know what? The reason why Arkansas lost that series is not because LSU was that much better. I think it's because they just got unfortunate that Hagen's I mean, that, that's like I said, the depth. Hagen Smith and Hunter Holland absolutely won them that game Friday. Dealt. Hagen Smith was five inning. He was done for the weekend. So I think that this shows you the depth of Arkansas injuries and how much they hurt them. Mm-hmm. Jackson Wigan, um, Brady Tiger, Brady Brady Tiger. Like if you had those games. Hagen Smith doesn't have to go five and two thirds inning to win that, that was game. a that was an interesting strategy that uh, Dave Van Horn did um, having Hagen Smith come out of the bullpen on Friday maybe hanging around possibly starting Saturday if you know Arkansas gets down early but um, yeah Hunter Holland fantastic strategy yeah Hunter Holland put him right in that game and had the lead and Hagen Smith came out of the bullpen a role he's not familiar in and they got that win on Friday night against LSU and and. Credit to Dave Van Horn for thinking of that strategy. You hold on to yeah. him until you need him, and if you need him Friday, let him go. If not, he's starting Saturday for you. Yeah, I mean, so I think LSU is a big winner. They proved it. It's only each weekend of the box is only going to get louder from here on out. So teams better be ready to buckle up. Mm-hmm. It ain't going to be easy to come out of the box with no. two wins. Almost nearly impossible. So, But I think Arkansas should be a winner because they lost, but – they proved they were legit, and they proved without those injuries that the top two team. Yeah, they're really good. Top three, maybe. But another winner for me is Virginia. They wow. just absolutely steamrolled Florida State. They're still winning ball game. I mean, they're twenty-two and two. Like they're dominating everybody. One Sunday loss against North Carolina, and then a Sunday loss against NC State. But outside of that, they're boat racing everybody. So I think mm-hmm. that's a big winner for me. Um, I think that UTSA and Rice is kind of like I think UTSA came out a winner because it showed they bounced back after that big weekend against FAU mm-hmm. and escaped two out of three against a Rice team who I think is actually on the up. Like I mentioned earlier in the episode, so yeah. And then another big winner for me. How about Wake Texas. Forest sweeping Miami? Texas. Yep, that's a winner. But Texas is a big winner. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I I totally want to take Tennessee off my biggest winners list and put Texas up there. Texas Sweep. sweeping Texas Tech. Everyone counted them out. I talked to you about this before the episode. I'm pretty sure on an earlier episode when we were talking about Texas and the Big Twelve and going through our thing, I said Texas wasn't not going to be that great in the beginning, but I thought they were going to improve toward the end of the season and be a really good team at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. I just didn't think they were going to be able to win the big 12. I thought they were going to be a good team. I didn't think they were going to win the big 12, but shit sweeping Texas tech at home puts you in a great spot too. If, if you go back to Friday's back. episode, I told you on the podcast, I said, listen, this yep. is a series that Texas is going to win. Texas Tech has to travel away from Lubbock. They haven't looked great away from Lubbock. And Texas is playing a great brand of baseball right now. A lot of confidence. 14 straight. 14 straight. I mean, their last loss was against, that, against Fullerton in in California. So 
Hey, that so, was like three weeks ago, three, four weeks ago. So, that, but you, you're right. Really that well. team has grown up significantly in like the last three or four weeks. They grew up a lot faster than I expected. Mm-hmm. I will say that. So a good. I, I do want to say Texas was a huge winner for me this weekend. They're a huge winner. Um, honestly, there's a lot of winners. You can say Florida was a winner going on the road. Their biggest test. Of well, the year I was, I was going to say one of my biggest losers was Ole Miss. You gotta win one. See, at I home. think I think Mississippi State is the biggest loser until further notice. Well, yeah, that was embarrassing. What they did, both of those teams, really, but Mississippi State was more embarrassing. Uh, I want to say that Ole Miss was a big loser, though, because you're already zero and three in SEC play. You get swept last weekend. That's okay. You have a home series. Like you, you should win one game at home. It doesn't matter who you're playing, and. Florida went in there and, and just showed them like why they are Ole Miss is very inferior to Florida. Florida beat them in all facets. Didn't matter. I'm telling you right now. I'm telling you right now. Florida. If let's see how Tennessee looks matches up with LSU at the box this weekend. But that Florida-Tennessee series to win the East is going to be electric. Well, hey, I don't know if it is to win the East. The way South Carolina's playing. Yeah, I know. But I just feel like I know – I feel I think it's almost safe to say South Carolina's back. But I need to see them three games against a legit team because Missouri got decimated by injuries. I think Missouri, I want to, I was going to say they're one of my biggest losers, but not because of the playing really bad, how unfortunate it is because it changes everything. They lost two or three guys in three straight starts. Yeah. Start cut short bullpen had to step up early and they had to do it three games in a row. So felt bad for Missouri because they that team doesn't get too many opportunities to have special season, and they were they were on their they they were on a nice path to have a, a really good year, and now they're probably going to get left behind. Yeah, Missouri still could have won two of those games at South Carolina. They should have won Friday night, the four run ninth inning with no ball hit hard no, from Saturday, South Carolina. Oh. That's Friday. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Sorry. Yeah, they gave up four runs in the ninth inning, and I don't know if the ball left the infield. It was a tough break. It didn't. It didn't. But, hey, that's the good thing about South Carolina is, like, this team, I know they're all new faces there, a lot of transfer portal guys, um, but they're they're meshing well together, and they're they're showing that they can win games close. That hey. – South Carolina – listen to this. South Carolina actually has the perfect opportunity to go hot, cold, hot hot to start the first 24 games or whatever this season, and then they can cool off here in the middle and then heat back up towards the end. That's listen, a great spot that they're in right now. Listen, they need to. This weekend, it's, I, I, I don't think they understand how important this weekend is. You've got LSU next weekend at home at Founders Park. But you've got to go to a very lousy and lowly Mississippi State at Duty Noble. You need to come out there with a minimum of two wins, yeah. if not sweep. You cannot lose this series, get caught looking ahead, get caught in a, how bad Mississippi State is, yada, yada. You have to dominate this weekend mm-hmm. and stay focused. 
because I'm telling you right now, they lose this series, their season will crumble and collapse. I'm looking at it right now. LSU, then Vanderbilt right after that. Then Florida, and then then Auburn, Kentucky, Arkansas, Tennessee. Jeez, man. Yeah, they have to sweep this Mississippi State series. Start out 9-0 in conference and then just try to – Then just battle your way through. Yeah. I mean, I'm telling you right now, if you let this weekend slip away from you, you You're going to be trouble. begging for those games back. So, because you got LSU at home at Founders Park, and then you've got to go on the road to Vandy, and then you've got Florida coming in. I mean, these next three weeks are humongous, and they they cannot get caught looking ahead with Mississippi State in front of them. Very winnable ball game. So, yep. um, I think South Carolina. I really want to see them match up against. A legit team for three games. I'm not saying what they did against Georgia and Missouri is not impressive. It absolutely is. But, I mean, come on. Everybody wants to see the best against the best to decide who's the best. So, I, I'm i going to give it to Florida or Tennessee for the East, but South Carolina can 100% come in Wait, and change my mind. What, what about Vanderbilt? I think Vanderbilt might be the most complete team in the East. I, I'm sleeping on Vanderbilt. I will admit, I'm sleeping on them. How... Oh, man, that's the S. Is the, is the East by far and away the best conference in college baseball this year? The SEC East? Because it's been the West. It's been the West for the last couple of years. Oh, this year the East is way better than the West from top to bottom. Because from, you have teams that you thought would be great in the West. You thought Texas AM was going to be great. You thought Ole Miss was going to be great. Um, you thought Mississippi State would be better than this. Mm-hmm. Everybody thought Alabama was going to be a lot better. Um, the East has been just dominating. I mean, you look at the East, obviously Georgia's in last, but then you have like, uh, who is it? Like Kentucky. So you have Kentucky, Tennessee, Vanderbilt, South Carolina, and Florida as the other five teams other than Georgia. Wow. Yeah. Um, no, absolutely. So it's going to be a juggernaut of a conference like always. So it'll be super fun to watch how it all unfolds. I think at the end of the day, I mean, if you had to really pick Florida gets Florida gets Tennessee on the road, they get South Carolina on the road. Not the best schedule. They get Vandy at home, but I think South Carolina has the most favorable one. They might have the toughest schedule, but at least they get LSU at home. Mm. And they get Florida at home. They get Auburn at home and Tennessee at home. So who knows, man? I mean, how else would you pick it other than maybe favorable schedule home and away? But yeah. I I think I think Vanderbilt's the best team in the East. I think Vanderbilt's the second best team in the country. You think they're wait, hold on, hold on. You think they're better than Florida now? Why are you switchy swatchy wishy washy all over the place? Right now I do. I think Vanderbilt's better. What I mean, look fair. That's fine. Go look at their resume, dude. Go look. They have a series win against UCLA. They won two games at that um, the State Farm Classic, and then since SEC play started, they've been absolutely dominating. Like this is a very offensive team. I mean, the team their teams that they have played in the SEC so far are a combined zero and six, or actually combined zero and twelve. Yeah. Wait. Yeah. Zero and twelve. Uh, okay. What well, they're part oh, of the I problem, mean, though. I mean, they're yeah, part- six of those are because of them. But 
I still think Florida is by still the standard right now. I mean, we picked Tennessee, and hey, it's not we're not dead yet. We're not dead yet. Jeez, dude, I don't know. Um, can we talk dead. a little bit hey, about come Kentucky? On, come on, here? come on, we're not dead yet. It's still alive. I know, but Kentucky, um, they're they've been one of the best surprise teams in college baseball. They they just finished what an eighteen game winning streak, nineteen game winning streak, seventeen. 17, yeah, they won two out of three against um, Arkansas, or sorry, wow, Alabama. Uh, Alabama. They should have probably won today, but there was a lot of base running miscues that cost them against Alabama today. Um, But let's, uh, you want to talk um, some Atlantic Coast Conference baseball? Yeah, let's go ACC now. Um, what, what what else do you have on your bullet points that we need to make sure we hammer out? Notre Dame winning two out of three against Louisville. We're in the ACC, perfect. Yeah, Notre Dame was a bullet point of mine. Like, are they a sneaky good team? I think they could be a sneaky good team. We know how Notre Dame is. They kind of bullshit around out of conference. They you know they cancel, they reschedule. They do whatever they want out of conference. But when it's ACC play, they show up ready to play. First series against Georgia Tech, they lost two out of three. Then they they got one against Wake, which is always a good win. I mean, mm-hmm. a team is legit. So, um, And then they took two out of three against Louisville. So, I mean, maybe they're a middle-of-the-pack team or maybe they're sneaky good. That, that was just one of the teams that like I have not even thought about Notre Dame this year. And I saw them take two out of three against Louisville, and I was like, hey. You know what? They might actually be pretty good this year. I mean, first year head coach. We, I mean, it's not looking great for first year head coach in the Atlantic Coast Conference. No, not at all. Dude, Back I'll tell you this: the, the the ACC, I think, is down, 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 down this year. Go look across the the standings. You have Wake Forest, who's clear Wait, hold on. number Two one. Two weeks ago, we were saying the ACC is legit. Now we're saying it's down. Yeah, I don't know. Actually, I don't know if it's down or if every team is just so evenly matched. But we know uh, this conference destroys each other. They eat each other alive. Yeah, but like I still don't. I'm not sold on some of these teams, like a Virginia Tech and a, and a Florida State, NC State, Clemson. Those teams don't sell me yet. Hey, I don't know, man. Louisville smoked A and M, B T C U, B Michigan in that Shriner. They. Yeah, I mean, they had their first series loss of the year against Notre Dame, two one-run losses on the road, whatever. NC State just got really unfortunate. They played Miami, Virginia, and Boston College start the year. Yeah, and they have Louisville next week. And, yeah, I mean. And then Wake Forest after that. What? And then they have Wake Forest after Louisville. Virginia Tech, I don't know what the hell happened with them. I don't know what the hell is going on with them. They lost five in a row, got one, then lost two more. I mean, you can't lose the pit. You cannot lose the pit two out of three like that. That's what I'm saying, dude. You look at the ACC and you're like, okay, Wake Forest, great team. They're probably the clear-cut favorite. And then you have Boston College next. It's like, whoa, that's not right. Yeah. Um, I mean, Georgia Tech is one in three against the SEC, so – one and three. And yep. Georgia Tech's One. probably the fourth best team in the ACC right now? Fifth. Probably fifth. I mean, Louisville beat them. Boston College right now is better than them. NC State better. 
Do, no. How did the Georgia Tech do? Oh, they haven't played yet. They I haven't played. Miami is the top. I mean, North Carolina is up there. Duke is better than we thought they were going to be. So it's it's too early, man. It's too freaking early to make these kind of claims. The ACC is going to mess around and only get like one bit or one uh, host. Or, or the ACC is going to mess around and the second best team in the conference is going to be the best team in the SEC and Super Regional. Uh, that happened last year. And <laughs> it's happened multiple times. Yeah. Um, but I guess my, my main storyline is like the ACC has just got to do more for me right now. Uh, same with like the Big 12. Um, we thought Texas Tech was the clear cut number one after beating Oklahoma State two out of three, but then you go Texas Tech out of you get Texas Tech out of Lubbock and they get swept by Texas. So really now you have four teams, or actually five teams in um in the Big Twelve that are kind of a revolving door. You know, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, Texas now enters the conversation. TCU's still in there. Wow. And then you have Kansas State that just swept Oklahoma. Oklahoma beat somebody last or two weeks ago, two out of three. West Virginia hasn't played a conference game yet. I don't know how. Everybody else has played six, it felt like. Well, I mean, Stanford and Oklahoma are playing a four-game series. I think they have two off weekends in Big 12. Yeah, I guess West Virginia had the first two weekends off. Uh, But West Virginia, I think, is a good team too. So the ACC and the Big 12 for me, I feel more comfortable when there's teams separating themselves Right now, for me, it's it's a jumbled up pack for both of those conferences. This is the first year. This is the first year. I know it's so early. I know I'm leaving my roots. I'm leaving my what defines me. But it's the first year when I'm just like, and I think it's because of the individual talents we're seeing around the SEC. But it's just like, it 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 is noticeable how much better this conference is right now. You know what I mean? And oh, in the, the year past, the I've been a denier. I've been yeah. a denier, but the individual talent, you don't—it's unbelievable. Yeah, Compared I think I think if Vegas made a line of like which conference is the is the College World Series champion going to come from, it would be probably minus four hundred for the SEC. Oh, oh! If you said SEC or the field, no SEC. Like each individual conference, if you got SEC versus the field. Might be I like bet, I better be 200. like mine. I better be like plus one fifty. No, I think it'd be minus like one fifty to minus two hundred. I think the, I think the SEC is like the clear plus one fifty, dude. It'd I'm not like, an no, dude. I'm telling you, it would be a minus. Like SEC is a clear cut. You have six teams in the top ten right now. They're the clear cut like gold standard as of right now. Yeah, but you got to think of it this way: twelve teams versus two hundred ninety three in the field. The mm-hmm. odds. Can you find, let's say, can you pick 10 other like teams from outside the SEC? Like if you made a conference with them, it would be more competitive than the top 10 teams in the SEC? No, but that's not, that's not my point. I'm saying the odd that one team can win it outside of the 12 or whatever team. I think it's, I don't know why we're arguing. I'm arguing, trying to argue about this, but plus 150, just because. It's not, it's not a hundred percent favorite. You know what I mean? Whatever. It doesn't matter. Sure. Okay. That was kind of a stupid segment. It was, we just had there. It was very stupid. Whatever. Um, 
Is there so let me ask you this before we move on to a different conference, but um Big Twelve right now, like who is the best team? Who's your favorite? I mean, the big I mean that series, Oklahoma State dropping a fly ball changed that that series completely last weekend against Texas Tech. So I mean honestly, yeah, Texas looks fantastic. They're hot right now, they look great. But I still think just because Texas Tech, Texas Tech beat Oklahoma State, I still think Oklahoma State is the best team. If Oklahoma State played the, that Texas Tech series at Oklahoma State, I think the Cowboys win it. Uh, exactly. And but, they almost they should have won it in Lubbock too. That, you're right. They should have. Um I was really disappointed in like Oklahoma, who I thought maybe turned a corner. They get swept at Kansas State. This Let me week. ask you this: what what made you think Oklahoma was going to be good this year? Well, no, no, no. I didn't think good this year. I thought that they were no. they turned a corner like from the start of their season when they were bad, um, but they went right back into being bad again. Well, they, I mean, they lost to Cal Baptist. Lost, yeah. I mean, they just kind of been. Like steady average the whole the whole year so far. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they won two out of, they won two in the Frisco. So I mean, yeah, they, they swept just, Houston. They beat they TCU lost, two out of three. Man, they lost. They lost a lot. I know. I, listen, I'm well familiar familiar with Oklahoma losing a lot in the draft, but I just think that uh, they they should have turned a corner. And they, you just can't get swept at Kansas State. And I know Kansas State's a lot better this year, but like that just no, can't that's happen. Brutal. That's brutal. That is a that is a passing of the torch kind of moment right there. Yeah, you don't, you yeah. Don't, like you don't just accidentally get swept. Um, <laughs> but hey, if there was one year for West Virginia to win the Big Twelve, this is their opportunity. To this do is it. it. You got to do it this year. Texas Tech lost a decent amount from last year. Oklahoma State, we just haven't seen them put it together for 56 games in the past yeah. three years, four years since we've been doing that. Mm-hmm. They have not put it together for a full 56 or 60 game. And Oklahoma's down. Texas is young. So you throw out a veteran Latin team, you can beat those cats. You can beat the, the horns. So I think it's West Virginia's opportunity to get them a Big 12 title. Yeah. Um, Baylor, way, Baylor, and Kansas are the two worst teams by far, though. Oh, they're they're horrendous. Mm-hmm. The fact that Baylor, the fact that Baylor beat Kansas State two out of three last weekend is is impressive. Oh, I know, dude. That's that is wild. Kansas like, State should be sitting at five and one, or maybe even six and zero oh in conference. And now, like, how do you how do you lose two out of three to Kansas State and turn around and sweep Oklahoma? Like, how did that work? Like, I don't understand that. Like, I mean, this sport is so unpredictable. That's why I'm, I think I'm going to retire from my hot takes. People might like them or hate them, but being right feels so good in this conference because it's so hard to do. Yeah. That's why it feels so good when I'm right about something, even if I'm wrong about nine other things. I'm batting 100. I I am a happy camper. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you want to quickly go over the, uh, Pac-12 here. Let's do it. So the biggest surprise we've already kind of touched on, but UCLA Whoa, losing two out of three. Thunder? Yeah, I hear it. I didn't know if that was thunder or your stomach oh, growling. Oh, yeah, my feet are – I feel the vibration in my feet. It is shaking this house. Love a good thunderstorm. 
Dude, thunder makes me feel so cozy and rain. I don't know. <laughs> I feel so cozy and inside my all house. Right, all right. By the way, prayers <laughs> up to the state of Mississippi. The weather here, I'm like talking about how I like it. They got absolutely destroyed. So thoughts mm -hmm. out to them. Um. Anyways, we're, oh yeah, Pac-12. So correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't is Stanford in first place or is USC in first place now? The University of Southern California, USC. That is correct. Good for them, man. Andy Stankiewicz turning that program around. Stanky, do the stanky leg. <laughs> oh wow, I see it pulled up on your screen. So they're they're in first place in the Pac-12, but one thirteen RPI. That's not good. Yeah, fourteen and eight. I mean, they almost got swept by Auburn. Um, lost to UCLA, but they, they won two, two out, of out of three against Stanford. Hey, you win two out of three each weekend, they sneak in a sweep every now and then. I mean, all they have in front, I mean, not all, but they have UCLA, Washington, Oregon, Arizona State, and Arizona to end the year. I promise you right now, USC will not be winning the Pac 12. No, it, it's not going to happen. The, so, the Pac 12 interests me because the depth of it, even. Like even like Cal, who's in dead last, we've seen Cal be really good this year. Um, Washington State, Washington are both good. Um, but see, Cal getting hurt right here this game against Mississippi State changed their whole season. No, it was against Oklahoma. Friday yeah. night guy. Yep, yep. But it was that Frisco weekend. Yeah. Look at look at look at look at their start of the year. Houston garbage, whatever. Cal Poly and UConn, they beat them. They beat Stanford. Look at where it started. Everything in their team, their dynamic chain. Mm -hmm. Right there against Oklahoma, and they were winning that game. And then his got uh, the starter got hurt. But I mean, like like for example, Arizona got swept by Arizona State this weekend. I still think Arizona is a good club. Um, oh, and I then, do too. I don't know. I think the depth of it is crazy. Um, Arizona State's really good this year. USC is much better. Washington, Washington State, much better there. Oregon, I mean, Oregon's been a regional host in the last two years. I'm interested think, to see how this shakes out because the, the longevity the of the season, the longer it goes, usually the better teams start winning more. Right now, it's it's jumbled up. It's, it's kind of cool. I think UCLA pitching is going to have them in the top and they're going to be in the fight going into the last weekend. I think Stanford to pure talent will carry them through. They'll survive at the end. Um, but what I'm curious to see, is, so we've always talked about how many Pac-12 teams can get in the tournament. UCLA and Stanford are in. Arizona, Arizona usually find their way in when it's all said and done. Yeah. They're they're they'll be fine. Um, this here's the interesting team: Washington State and Washington, Arizona State, and USC. Of those teams, I would say two are going to get a postseason bid. Yeah, and did you say Arizona State too? Arizona State, USC, Washington, Washington State, and Oregon. Well, I think Oregon usually is kind of a shoe in for the postseason most of the time. What's their resume look like? What's the Oregon Ducks resume look like right now? I remember they swept UC Santa Barbara, right? They got swept. By oh, Santa they Barbara. got swept. That's what it was. Ooh, that's not good. 
San Diego, I mean, like, just look at this. Look at this. They went four wins in a row, three losses in a row, five wins in a row, four losses in a row. Now they're currently on a six-game winning streak. Talk about hot, cold, hot, cold, your, your ass all the way to the end. Those ducks are riding a roller coaster. I mean, I mean, what do you call that? Like one of those automatic freezer packs that you ice your arm with, throw it back in the freezer, ice your arm with, throw it back in the freezer. <laughs> yeah. That's Oregon. Interesting. Um, Washington, uh, dude, we do this every year. We make we we make assumptions and reactions to teams. It's too damn early for this. Yeah, we're gonna find out a lot from Washington. They got Portland midweek, and then Oregon State. Wow, and you know what? I I will put money down right now that Oregon State will win that series. Washington should win it, and Oregon State's going to win it. Yeah, I, I'm still a believer in Oregon State. I know it's a rebuilding year for them, but they're kind of a kind of a dynasty over there in the in the Pac-12. They'll find their way. Like they still get good recruits, good coaching, good player development. We'll maybe similar to Oregon State doesn't do you anything. I know, but maybe they're maybe they're like the Texas of of out west. Like Texas, the older that their guys get, the more experience they get, the better they're going to play. Kind of feel like that's a good formula for Oregon State this year. I think I think the Pac-12 is better than we think. I think they're going to do a lot of beating up, a lot of all that garbage all year. I think I think mm-hmm. the Pac-12 is better than we think, which is good. It's a good thing. You know who else is better than you think? Nebraska. <laughs> Say nope. you're sorry. Say you're sorry about Nebraska. You want me to say something nice about Nebraska? Is that what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, say something nice. They had a good weekend. They they uh they had a very good weekend against Illinois. Um, but guess what? Good teams win, great teams sweep. They're not a great team yet. Okay, that's fair. But I mean, that says a lot about their future in the Big Ten this year. I think the Big Ten is going to get two, maybe three teams um, into the tournament. Dude, and, Maryland, man, Maryland, man. I know you had a rough schedule, but do something with it. Well, they won two out of three. Oh, um, oh my God, dude. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. They, oh my God. They we, edit that part out. we edit that part out. <laughs> I, meant, I meant to say they did well against UCF. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, they uh, they lost the opener and got two wins. Hey, UCF, on the other hand, it, the team that I'm like, dude, which one is going to show up? So Yeah. But Big Ten, what do you see? Are you seeing what I'm seeing? It's kind of like flipped upside down right now, kind of. Well, I, there's just it's too early. What is it? One weekend? <laughs> I know it's one weekend. Indiana looked good. Um, I, I didn't did, watch. I didn't watch any did, of Michigan's games. Who did Indiana play? Ohio State. Ohio, and Ohio State. State was showing some promising things. Yeah, uh, down weekend for Ohio State. I was a big believer in them. Really good non-conference resume that that Ohio State had. Indiana, all, they got one against Auburn, got one against Texas, got one at the Keith Leclerc, and then they played the soft meat part of their schedule. And maybe it'll pay off because they play some tough competition early in the year. Indiana. Yeah, I still think Maryland, Maryland Iowa, I and then one beat. other team. Maryland, Iowa, and then one other team will get in the regionals. Is it going to be Indiana, Michigan, Michigan State, uh, Nebraska, Rutgers? Uh, who is it going to be? That's what it's going to come down to. See, look at Mar- let's let's talk Maryland. Two out of three at South Florida, lost two out of three at Ole Miss, 
then they played in that Cambria, Minnesota thing, got swept out of there, played super soft two weekends, go down to UCF and win. So you know what? I really like their schedule because they played hard-ass competition, got humbled, beat beat the shit out of some soft team. And then they're like, okay, we played hard team. We got our mojo back. We know how to win ball games again. And then they went down to UCF and got two out of three against a good team. Yeah. Right before they get Iowa this weekend. There you go. It's a good yeah. way to start Big 12 play, a Big 10, Big 10 play. play. Yeah, Iowa and then Rutgers after that. I don't know, man. I think all these conferences, no matter where you're at, still too early to tell. But at the same time, these like first six to nine games can, can play a big factor in whether you're an at-large team or have to win your, your conference tournament. Every game matters, dude. Every single game. Hey, you want to know, here are the loser. Here are the big loser that I totally forgot about and we need to talk about. Irvine. Oh, yeah. Irvine and the Big West. They're laying an egg right now. Swept Tulane. Swept or beat Washington State. Beat San Diego. Swept Arizona State on the road at Arizona. Beat Michigan. They were beating everybody. And then they lose two out of three against Fullerton. Lose two out of three against a lowly Cal Poly. So, like, I mean, it's it's just it's just, it's just baseball. I guess. It's, it's just baseball, man. <laughs> it's just baseball. But let's talk about the top of that Big West. What about it? Well, you see, San Diego six and zero, Santa Barbara five and one, Cal State Fullerton five and one. I think I think this conference going to be fun to watch. Hawaii playing better. Cal State Northridge off to a good start. Um, but hey, for my my Fullerton pick is going to be decided in the next two weeks. Who do they have? They've got UCLA, and then they got a Big West series against Hawaii at home, and then they get the Gauchos at home. If they can get through through, through these two weeks, two two out of three against Santa Barbara, two out of three against Hawaii. That's four and two. They're nine and three in the Big West with arguably their hardest game behind them yeah they can win the big west they have a big weekend series against tcu too i think fullerton's a regional team dude i think i think they've done enough non-conference and you know if they finish first or second in their conference regular season i I could see the the committee rewarding fullerton for playing a tough non-conference schedule yeah i mean stanford michigan texas and TCU is your four non-conference theory. That's really good. That's really good. And they're they're they're, they're doing fine. Like they're they should have won that Stanford series opening weekend. They should have won that Stanford series, absolutely. Um, but hey, at the end of the day, it's the Gauchos conference to lose. Yeah, no doubt. Um, hey, let's do this. We got a, I got about ten to fifteen midweek games that we can preview here, and then we'll wrap up the show. Let's um, do it. Tuesday is a loaded slate, fellas. Texas at Texas A&M, Portland at Washington, Southern Miss at Ole Miss, Boston College at UConn, circle that one, Old Dominion at Virginia, circle that one, UNCW, ECU, Coastal at UNC, circle that one, Florida State, Florida, always a good one there, UCF, FAU, that's always a fun midweek there too. Oklahoma State, Dallas Baptist. Let's see if Dallas Baptist can redeem themselves from getting beat by 20 uh, last midweek or two midweeks ago. 
Grand Canyon, Arizona, back-to-back weeks, and Arizona won last week. And then UCLA Fullerton is that last one there. Um, dude, Tuesday is going to be freaking packed. And there's a lot of other games I missed too. But UCF FAU, uh, hey, this is a big old Tuesday. Yeah. What do you call this, Turbo Tuesday? You can't say Super Saturday, like Super, you know what I'm talking about? Hey, I'm fine. I'm 100% what do you call this? cool. What do you call this? 100% Turbo. cool. Turbo Tuesday. Turbo Midweek Madness. Tuesday. Full throttle. Did you say Southern Miss Ole Miss? I said them all, dude. I wrote them all down. You're, you got them all. Hey, yeah. You guys heard it there first. Ben Upton with so, the Turbo Tuesday sleep. So out of all the – let's see. I have three, six, nine, 12 games. What about, that I, what about Terrific Tuesday? I like Midweek Madness. Midweek Madness? Yep. Okay. What about Turbo Tuesday or Terrific? No, Terrific Tuesday sounds lame as hell. Yeah. Turbo, Turbo Tuesday. Turbo Tuesday. We can stick with that. I'm good with it. A Wednesday. What, what um, Wednesday? Nothing really big. Wednesday, Wednesday. nothing. Yeah. Wednesday, now maybe Wednesday. weather. Maybe weather will push one of these games to Wednesday, but um, we'll we'll just have to wait and see. But here here's some underdog picks I like. I like UConn to beat Boston College. Um, I like Texas A and M to beat Is that an underdog? Is that an underdog? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe underdog is not the right word. Maybe fairly even. Yeah. Um, I think I think Ole Miss has to win the game against USM. If not, like they're struggling. Um, look out for well, UNCW. Well, that's, if they, that's if they play a full nine inning. Just kidding. Just <laughs> kidding. That's baseball. Stop. Um, there's a couple couple mid-major teams that need to redeem themselves. Grand Canyon lost to Arizona last week. They get them again this week. Oklahoma State and Dallas Baptist, that was a bloodbath two weeks ago. Dallas Baptist can redeem themselves there. Um, can Coastal like continue to hit and dominate away from the ballpark? Bang, bingo, you mm-hmm. said it. Retweet. I'll just click retweet on that. Yeah, and I want to see Old Dominion, see how they match up against Virginia. Like Two of the best records in the country facing off. They both have twenty over 20 wins already. Ben, so that's... You, you see, I have Coastal schedule. You can see it on the screen. Look at this. Home, 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 at. Home, 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 at, 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 home, 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 home. They've been in, they've been in at home all year. Yeah. Can they, can they win on the road? Like, can they be as dominant on the road? And they're two and two on the road this year. Yeah. So, yep. That's, that's something to keep an eye on. Can the big dick swinging Chanticleer? Keep swinging it on the road. Hashtag wait to see. Coastal can play themselves into a hosting picture. Did we talk about that? They yeah, win this we midweek. Yeah, we mentioned. And... Yeah, we mentioned. We talked about it. Okay, cool. Um, and then yeah, UCLA Fullerton should be a good one late night. Like that's a big game for Fullerton. Oh, you know I'll be watching that one at. Uh, I wish they need to name that stadium Augie Garrido Stadium. <laughs> I know. Um, what else? Yeah, Texas, Texas A&M. You remember last year they threw them horns down on them. But hey, you remember? You know what the old saying is: Texas Super Bowl or the every other team Super Bowl. Oh yeah, I'll be watching that one from start to finish. That that'll be a big one. Ooh, let me see something. Rice Lamar. I looked at that no, one too. On. I want to see what Lamar's been up to. 
Yeah, dude, you cannot get swept by St. Louis. That's that's some sorry stuff. Yeah. Um, Anyways, let's go ahead and wrap up the show there. I'm, dude, I'm exhausted, and we're we're recording earlier than usual, but um, we'll we'll have our weekend series pickums picked uh, here in just a little bit. We'll release it probably sometime tomorrow, and uh, for the six series next week. And other than that, we'll be back Thursday night. Get your uh, shopping carts ready. Store will go live this week. Let's go. Get your official 11.7 apparel there. Um, we'll be promoting it on social media. But, yeah, I appreciate everybody for listening today. We'll be back Thursday night. Y'all have a good one. We won a national championship for, for Ole Miss and um, all the past players and all the fans across the country and for the state of Mississippi and the University of Mississippi. Uh, we did it our national champs. Breaking ball. Oh my goodness. Deep right field. A grand slam. Base hit. Arkansas is headed back to Omaha. And here's Tommy White. First pitch swinging. In the air to center, D'Onofrio back and it's gone! The legend continues! Got him swinging! The Campbell Campbells, the dynasty of the Big South. And now Tony Vitello bumps the third base umpire. Set. He'll throw that as a line drive in the gap. Did he do it again? It is another ball in the gap for Morrell. Another extra. Oh, that is gone. A home run for Brian Morrell. Swing and a ball driven. Way back. And foul. No, gone. He did it. Ortiz kept it just there and walks it off with a grand slam. Titanic with a blast again. <laughs> Melendez doesn't get cheated.